Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Lights, Camera, Sports podcast presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. So happy to have you on board. It's time for another Minutes of Mute. We're joined, you know him, Scott Mutrin. Works for the Boston College Learfield Radio Network. Uh, coming off a tough one, Boston College loses 45-20 to to Miami, the U. Uh, BC on the season now, 6-6, six 3-5 and 6, and in conference play. And they await a potential bowl invite and see where they go. Uh, before I'd like to get to Scott, I'd like to remind everybody, if you're a BC football fan, you've got to be a part of the Boston College Gridiron Club. That's bcfootballgridiron.com for more details. Uh, a great organization, a lot of tailgates pregame. I know they'll have something going on with the bowl game wherever BC goes. Just you have to be a member. Boston College Football Gridiron Club. Okay, Scott, we welcome you on board. And, uh, oof, uh, 7 nothing BC first quarter, and then 28-7 to seven at the half. The wheels kind of fall, uh, fall off there. What's your whole t- big-picture take on BC losing to Miami? Well, I think the, the biggest frustration is defensively, the inability to get Miami off the field. Miami was 6-for-13 on third down, but then 3-for-3 three three on fourth down. Um, Miami controlled the clock running the football. They ran for over 240 yards, right? They controlled the ball for 38 minutes and then through for 290. Like, the inability to get off the field and make plays defensively, which has haunted BC in the last couple games, um, was, the, was the story of the game. I just think it's, there, were, there were some opportunities to make the plays. Miami, you know, had a propensity to turn the football over. They did recover a fumble, but um, there are some other plays that BC, if, you know, in the right positions, could... Uh, could make some plays, and they just didn't get it done. Uh, Miami, though, impressive, right? Like, a lot of talent out on the field right there. I know their record at 7-5 would lead you to believe that they're not, but their their biggest issue was shooting themselves in the foot and doing, you know, silly things all year. But athletically-wise, uh, Miami's up there with any team that uh, BC has played this year or any team that I've seen. Uh, they're impressive to watch uh, in person. Yeah, so you got to make a note of that. Watch them coming on next year as well. Uh, so, and then big picture, Scott, uh, you know, BC one and three in the season, one, five straight, six and three, a critical point. Uh, just how disappointed are you to see them lose to mediocre, mediocre Virginia tech team, a poor Pittsburgh team and a seven and five now Miami team just, uh, to finish six, six and six, just big picture wise. How disappointing is that? Well, I think you say, looking back, you should have, they should have been eight and four probably at worst. Yep. Uh, that's what you should have expected, and that's the uh, that's the tough thing. Whether it's the loss to, to Northern Illinois, whether it's uh, the loss to Pitt, whether it's the effort versus Virginia Tech, either way. Um, but then other people could say, "Hey, you're one step out from losing to Holy Cross, and one drive away from losing to Army, and you could have easily been four and eight. So you know, hindsight is a lot of people like to, to change that around. They did play well in some close-scoring games, but just not able these last three games to really have that formula for success, and that's 
executing with touchdowns on offense, not turning the football over. And then defensively, you know, being aggressive and going after going after teams and forcing them into to some mistakes because they feel that they need to, to score to stay in the game with you. So BC wasn't able to put up points on a consistent level these last three games. It put a lot more pressure on the defense, which in tune just ended up uh, you know being a negative effect. And there were some injuries in the secondary there that I just think watching these last couple games that I do think that there was some potential to make some plays in the secondary and BC just didn't have uh, just didn't make those plays. But they weren't playing with guys that have been playing there the whole year. So I think that was the frustrating part. Thomas Coslanos, 15 of 25, 151 yards passing, ran uh, for 130 yards. Uh, as a QB yourself, how do you kind of grade him out on Friday and then for throughout the season? Yeah, it was okay. Just too many, uh, you know, a, a big two interceptions again. That's, yes. That's tough. They turn the football over too much. Would like to see some improvement inside the pocket and, and throwing inside the hash marks to tell you the truth because there's some opportunities that BC's had there and Thomas has just not been able to capitalize on some plays there. He's been very dynamic with his feet, can create a lot of splash wild plays, which I think are great. Uh, he has a, a dynamic to that offense that it, you hadn't seen in a long time, but he needs to follow it up by uh, being able to execute in the passing game a little bit better. There are a couple throws he left on the field on Friday, just seeing, I know, one to Dino Tomlin, who was, who was open, would have been probably a touchdown if he set his feet and threw it. Those, those are the throws that he's been missing the last couple of weeks and something that he needs to work on, some of the mechanics and uh, playing the position and hitting some, some throws that once he does that, uh, sky's the limit for him. He can, really, he can really do a lot of things at that position because of what he brings athletically. But if he can bring the passing game along and, be able to use all parts of the field, then he's going to really have a, an arsenal uh, to use, and I, and I think it'll be exciting to watch. Yeah, that's my next question for you as a former QB yourself. If you were his QB coach this winter, like just two or three bullet points, what would you tell him to work on to get better? It's <laughs> a, a really good question, actually. Um, what I try to, especially now, is and you're in the offseason because you don't want to mess with anybody during the season, is just getting his feet in the right spot, doing some footwork drills, working on his release a little bit because sometimes he likes to fall back and that elbow drops, and he's 5'10". So when you're 5'10", and coming with a little arm slot, that allows a lot of passes to get knocked down, a lot of passes to get tipped, right? And one of the interceptions on Friday was on the tip ball, right? Try to get him in a little bit of a higher arm slot so that he's not coming so low because those linemen are huge, right? So you need to be able to, to get a little bit higher to work in finding passing lanes. You know, there's some drills and stuff that we can do, that I would do but um, to do that. But I think that's that. The, the thing is that you look at it, and I'm like, this is all correctable stuff. <laughs> you know, these are things that it's like, if, he, if he's willing to put the time and the energy and the effort into it, it's like he can get better at these. Um, and, and it's not more than just spending time doing it. It's not something that you, you can't make someone faster. You can't uh, all, all the time, but you can't make someone's arm necessarily stronger. But you know what I mean? Like, and you can't yes. make, make up for talent when talent's not there. He has talent. So the, the issue is, is just refining that talent. And just what I would work with, with those things. And I have, I'd have a, 
a bunch of different footwork drills I'd have him throwing from underneath the goalposts and stuff to try to raise that arm slot a little bit from working within the pocket and tight areas just to be a little more efficient and fluent in his movement so that he can, you know, not let that size be a detriment to him and so he can actually still, but yet still maintain that big play and athletic capability that he brings to the game, which is a game changer. Yeah, and he's you know he's got a great opportunity. A couple of years left eligibility. I mean, do you think he's staying here at BC uh, too? That's the other thing as well. Well, he can't leave. Yeah, I mean, he can leave, but it'll cost him a year after the transfer because he's already transferred, right? Yeah. But you look at it, and he threw for just you know twenty, just over twenty one hundred yards with fifteen touchdowns and thirteen interceptions. Right. Today's day and age, where you're throwing all the time, that that's a lot of interceptions, um, and I would. If we did, you know, I would say if we probably did all of the games and looked down, I would say a lot of the interceptions came later in the season. Yeah, like he's had six over the last three games. Um, so that adds up. You, you watched, like, you, UConn, he had a tough one. Georgia Tech, a uh, tough one. And then Army, obviously, that, was, that doesn't even count because of that. But, yeah, he did have... He did have a lot of interceptions, like in the last couple games, where teams were forced to execute with inside the pocket. Completing fifty-seven percent of your passes, you're going to want to get that up higher in today's day and age. If you want guys around the sixty-five, seventy percent, I know BC's offense was more downfield because of the the play-action aspect of the game, but you still like to have that number a little bit higher and bring that interception uh, number down. Other side of the ball, to recap, versus Miami, BC's defense, uh, how, how do you grade out that unit, especially in the secondary? Yeah, I think they're just playing some different guys. They they struggled back there. There were a couple opportunities you watch on fourth down throws where BC's in position to make a play, and, and they just choose to do the wrong thing or just athletically couldn't make the play. Um, I think that was tough because those are momentum-killing plays. All Miami's third down conversions, three of them were huge. Uh, I would say all three of their uh, fourth down conversions resulted in touchdowns, right? So if BC gets to stop on one or two of those, you change the complexion of the game, right? It really does. I think there's, uh, you know, there's a lot that goes into it, and you look at the final score, but it depends when a lot of these things happen as to how momentum turns. Because uh, BC did have success in moving the football, but when it gets when you have two two stalled drives and then you give up touchdowns and you're twenty one twenty eight seven, yeah, you just your whole offensive game plan goes out the window and, and everything changes. You just can't execute within the way in which you were planning all week to do it. So that's the that's the tough part is that once once the game gets that three score three to four scores, you you're just you're forced to play a certain way that you're uncomfortable with playing normally. So big picture now, BC six and six. Obviously, with a six and six record, your bowl, um, you're you're basically limited. Where do you think A B C will go, Scott? If you had a guess, I know it's a bit of a wide open, but also uh, too, what does this mean for them with the practices and to kind of get more action practically as a former player yourself? Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm, based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. 
Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Well, the, the extra practices are always helpful. You get 15 extra practices. You get a lot of these young guys who have played some but have done some scouting, maybe haven't gotten into a lot of games that are able to uh, to get some more seasoning. Right? I think it's very, very uh, beneficial for them to have these extra practices. I know that people get flustered with the, with the bowl game and where they're going to, and, and I get it. You know, you always want a nicer bowl game, but in the end, if you're not playing for championships, <laughs> I'd rather be playing for championships, right? Yes, no, um, no question. The, I'd rather be playing this Saturday for the ACC championship. You know, that's right. And it's not, and it's not a knock on it. It's just like, yeah, I'd rather be playing for a championship than going to play in the Sun Bowl or the Pop Tart Bowl or, or the Military Bowl. It's not a knock those bowl games. It's just that that's your mindset. You want to be playing to you know the best of the best. So. Um, that's that's to me what what the main issue is. So uh, it's, it's good for them. It's good for the it's good for the team. You're gonna play, you know you're you've seen the last of Christian Mahogany. He's not gonna play in that bowl game, nor should he. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some other players that are maybe potentially coming out NFL wise. There maybe there is across the board. I'm not sure, but I, I doubt you'll see Christian play in that game. And just to hold you there, why do you think he won't play? Yeah, he's got probably a first, second round grade. NFL-wise, it doesn't really behoove him to play in, in a game like this. Um, if he, you know, He's already played a ton of football. This is now it's time for him to you know, kind of focus on himself and probably get ready for the combine and get ready for that. Now, if he wants to play, that'd be great. Love for him, too. I just say that's just the way in which the – the world's work today um, is that guys are, are are not playing in these you know secondary bowl games be, because they they want to focus on uh, their health and getting ready for the combat for the NFL. Yeah, and let me ask you: during your time, would that have happened? Say in the mid nineties, you know, the college no, kids. But that's just no, it's just different. Like times, the times have changed, and that's just the that's just the way it is right now. I don't. I don't get upset for playing for, you know, everyone gets, you know, sometimes people get upset about it. You got, you have to play for your school and play for your teammates and stuff. And you're like, yeah, but these things didn't pop up when guys would get hurt in the bowl games. And then you're like, well, where, this guy went from being a first round pick to a fourth round pick. And then, or this injury, he was never the same after it. It's like, okay, did, did it, the school or did everybody else help offset the money he would have made playing in the NFL because of that? And so it's not really not really fair to judge these people uh, for the decisions they make if it's in their best interest because it becomes a job. Uh, it's, it's tougher for people to speak and tell other people what they should be doing. And tell them. I, I really think they need to make their own decisions. So would you want them to play? Absolutely. But do you, I totally understand why, why a lot of them don't because the risk of injury is, is, is great in football and you, you don't want to ruin a chance to, to make generational wealth that could change your family. Yeah, okay, so if you had a guess, what do you think? Where do you think BC's going? Um, I would say it's probably either going to be Fenway or Annapolis, to be 100% honest. I don't think it's New York, although that's been a draw for – there are a lot of BC alums in the area that would go to the game. Uh, so that could be a possibility. 
I just don't know what the pinstripe matchup is. I don't know if it's still Big Ten. Is it still Big Ten? I believe it is. Yeah, I believe it is. Still Big Ten. Yeah, so then you'd have you'd have one of the Big Ten teams, uh, probably what Wisconsin or Wisconsin or Maryland or Nebraska didn't make it. They. I'm just trying to think of all the red and white teams. There always seems to be a lot of red and white teams. <laughs> The Big, Ten. the Big Ten has a lot of teams that are, I think besides like the top four teams, everybody else is seven and five or five and seven between that. Like yeah. They're all in between that same level, so we'll see. Yeah, you're right. I just checked. It is Big Ten, so we'll see. That's December 28th. Um, so, we'll, you know, know, we'll find out Sunday evening, Sunday afternoon. That's usually when it plays out, and um you know, it should be interesting. Uh, Scott, before we wrap it up, just your general take on 2023. You were at virtually every game. <laughs> yeah, it was, um, it was, it was good. And it was bad, right? It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Uh, it was, <laughs> there was moments where they showed a lot of promise and some good things and some frustrating moments when they weren't able to, um, to capitalize on some of that momentum. I definitely would say it's, it was a roller coaster you know, from start, middle to finish. There's plenty of different things that came along the way. So uh, I enjoyed, the, enjoyed watching this team, enjoyed watching um, the excitement that Thomas Castellanos brought when he came into the game and really hit his stride, especially even in the losing effort versus Florida State. I think that really showed something. And the offensive line, which completely did a 180 from last year, which was probably their most reliable unit, was uh, was fun and a treat to watch because there were some really good players on that offensive line. So, um, you know, you always like to see some some of the veteran guys stay healthy. Uh, they missed out. I think some guys that got hurt were frustrating and, and losing some key contributors along the way, but also seeing some young guys step up and play a bigger role. As the year went on, you always enjoy that, right? That's something you always look back and say, "Oh yeah, this kid came, you know, came from nowhere where he didn't really play much." Towards the end, when you get to the end of the year, and you're like, "Oh, that's a, you know, you're, this guy's a big contributing factor to the team this year." So you always like to see those jumps that guys make. So um, we'll see. There's a there's a lot of hope. You know, there's a lot of guys playing in that last game against Miami that have eligibility left that could be playing. I think. Coach Hapley said three to four uh, players would be uh, leaving from that group that was on the field. So, you know, that, that gives you some hope that there's some talent and then there's some talent coming up. But uh, now it's to get ready for the bowl game and see the jump that they make and see where they're at and then uh, get another year of seasoning and get a good recruiting class. And those are the next the, the big challenges. And, and then the transfer portal, you just got to see what's going to happen there. That opens, um, I think it opens in a week or pretty soon. Um, so there's just a lot of moving parts that are that are going now. So the, with people coming and going, get in, use the transfer portal, don't lose guys in the transfer portal, uh, raising some money for our athletes, all that stuff. There's just so many uh, things on, on the horizon that you got to look forward to. Yeah, you can't forget about the Friends of the Heights, the NIL fund too, folks. Keep on donating for that as well. Uh, all right, Scott, this is the most important question. What was your favorite tailgate experience, home or away, in 2023? Mm, yeah, I, I didn't really do any away. And when you look at uh, when you look back at some of the away games, like the weather wasn't great, right? Like 
or it's like Syracuse was a night game yeah. that I didn't go to. Um, well, Louisville. The game was a torrential downpour. Louisville was okay. We didn't, yeah, I didn't really do much at Louisville. Yeah, it just wasn't. Georgia Tech was Georgia Tech was probably the most fun road trip of the year. We got to see uh, DC class classmate Robert Withers. Uh, got to see a high school buddy. Had a nice dinner there. I would say yeah, Atlanta was probably the best one. It was quick. I did love that every game was a noon game. To tell you the truth, no night games. Yes. You didn't have besides the you know the Pitt game and the Syracuse game, the midweek games. There were no Saturday non noon games. I believe so. I enjoyed that. Uh, so that was fun. Pretty easy, uh, pretty easy travel too. Syracuse, Pittsburgh yeah. on the road. You know, those are fairly right. easy games. Very, yeah, very, very <laughs> easy travel travel schedule for us this year. So we we're very lucky. Well, Scott, we're lucky to have you all year. Thank you so much. We'll talk again right before the bowl game. Appreciate it. Thank you and again. Another minute's review. Appreciate it, Scott. Thanks, Mike. You bet. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm. Based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum, CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com.